Hi, and welcome to Splinters. This is Gary Rogowski. Hope you're doing all right in this very strangest of times. As we practice our social distancing because of the COVID virus, isn't it odd how convenient it is to be at the bench? How much work we seem to get done. Anyway, I hope you're taking care of yourself and your loved ones. Today's topic is apropos of nothing. It is a topic that's been on my mind uh, just as a something to chat about with, with folks. So here we go. It's called straight. Now, it's an interesting word. Of course, I'm going to start with the language. If you look it up in the dictionary, I got 14 definitions in my old, old dictionary. Uh, so I'm sure there, there are probably more after <laughs> this many years. I was actually thinking about it. Remember when, <laughs> when, when we used to call people, oh, he's a straight. Yeah, he's straight. He's not ahead. Yeah, those are the old days. Anyway, there are many definitions for the word straight. One can walk a straight line. Uh, you are being straight with me. You're being honest with me. You can uh, steer a straight course, a direct course. A straight six motor. I got a straight six in my Chevy. Stand up straight. You remember mom telling you that? I do. Straight laced, which means virtuous. Or it's a straight part. Many definitions is my point. But for our purposes at the bench, straight also has some variations, but its importance cannot be overstated. So we will not overstate it. Let's just talk about it. Straight at the bench. Well, first, your bench needs to be straight. Now, in this context, I mean straight and not twisted. So untwisted. And we're not talking about a straight line now, a distance between two points. We're talking about the plane of your bench, the surface of your bench, your bench top. If it's sitting on a crooked floor, fortunately, all my floors at the studio are flat. I can hear, I can hear people laughing in the background. I have just terrible floors. I don't care because they're wooden and it saves my legs and saves my back. I love working on a wooden floor. I don't care about that as far as my benches go because I can straighten each one of them and make sure they're not twisted. How do I do that? Well, first of all, I need, yeah, you guessed it, a straight edge. And there are several ways of, of getting a straight edge. For years, I would use a piece of plywood that I'd cut straight on the table saw. And that was my straight edge. It was four feet long and it would help me to side along an edge. Now, if I want something that's a little bit more accurate than that, then I could run it across my joiner or take my hand plane to it. The problem with using a hand plane or that little four-inch joiner I had once upon a time is that if you don't have a very long bed, it's easier to follow the curve of a piece that may already be in the, in the board you're, you're cutting. So if you have a little block plane, it's harder to get a piece straight than if you have a nice long number six or number seven, or God forbid, a number eight, um, to straighten your edge. Now, it is not automatic, you understand, that you will get a straight edge just by running it on your joiner or taking your long hand plane to it if you don't know what you already have. If you don't know that you have a hump in the middle of the board, you can keep planing that hump in. And with a number four or number five hand plane, it's fairly simple. I've used a number three to put curves in pieces. 
it's very effective for that. So the length of the sole of your plane, the length of the bed of your joiner, will make a difference in how straight your piece will be. And yet you need to know what you have when you go up to it, when you go up to the tool, whatever the tool is. Do you have a high spot? Do you have a valley and you've two high spots? So you're going to just tick the very tops of those high spots as you take your first passes? Because your hand plane is going to level itself or rest on those two high spots. You're not going to be able to get down in the valley if it's long enough. If it's a short little thumb plane, you'll go right into the valley. But if it's long enough, you're just going to hit those high spots. So it may take pass after pass after three or four or six passes to start to get a straight edge. Well, let's say you have the reverse. Now you've got a hump in the middle. Well, if you're not paying attention, you start with your pressure on the leading edge of the hand plane. You're planing uphill. You hit the high spot. You shift your pressure. Now you're planing downhill. Same problem. So you actually have to not cut until you get to the high spot. And then as soon as you get there, transfer all your pressure to the back of the hand plane so you're lifting up off the cut. Your cut is really impossibly short. It's frustratingly short, but that's the best way to get rid of a high spot. And this is as true on the joiner as it is with a, with a hand plane. You have to know where the high spot is. You can use the edge of your hand plane. I, I find it's a little tedious as a, uh, as a straight edge. And is the bottom of your hand plane straight? Some years ago, one of my students was a machinist as well as a mastery student. And John said, hey, I'm, I'm getting some stuff from MSC. You want a straight edge? I was like, you bet. And what he did was order me some tool steel. And I think it was eighth inch tool steel, eighth inch thick, two inches wide, and three feet long. Yeah, three feet long. Ground square to within a thousandth of an inch, ground flat to within a thousandth of an inch. And my standard is two, so I was I was good with that. And it was relatively cheap then, like 40 bucks. There was no stamp on it. There was no brand name on it. It was just a piece of tool steel. Oil it up, drill a hole in it so I can hang it on the wall, and it worked great. And now I had some way of reliably checking to see if my hand plane sole was straight, my joiner bed was straight, was my bench straight. But it also helped me to make another set of straight edge tools called winding sticks. Winding sticks are invaluable. You don't have to make them. You can just take two pieces of wood and cut them the same height, take your magic marker and mark a line across one of them. And now you've got winding sticks. You put one stick at the far end of the bench and one at the near end of the bench and get as far away as you can and hunker down and sight on these two sticks, line up the top edges of each and see if one is higher at one side than the other. If it is, then you need to shim the other side, the other corner, the one that's low to get your bench true so that it's untwisted, so that it's, you got it, straight. Really important. You can also make your winding sticks, and that's fun to do. I've got a set of cherry ones that I made, and I inlaid a strip of ebony along the top, and it's they work great. They're short, about 18 inches long, but really handy for checking small things to see, oh, yeah, this is not... This is not flat. I need to flatten this out. I need to straighten this out. The concept of straight is one that, I guess, escapes the, the uh, view of the newcomer to this world. But as you do a little bit of this work, you understand 
just how valuable a straight line is for our additive work. We are building things from pieces of wood. We're not turning bowls. We're not sculpting chunks of wood down to our maidenhead toothpick. What? I don't know. We're taking our sticks and we're building something up. And so when we make our sticks, right? You're a woodworker. You're going to make your own sticks of lumber. You go to the lumber yard. You choose wood. Now you're going to cut that stuff up. You need to have straight lines, straight edges, and square would be nice too, in order for you to do your joinery carefully. So the millwork that you do is so, it's so very important for that work to be straight. Again, you need to know what you've got going up to the joiner, what you've got taking your hand plane to, so that you have a good shot at getting the work done efficiently. Because you can create as many problems as, as you solve with, a, uh, with too fast a method, let's just put, put it that way. Now, this has probably never happened to you, but I have sometimes taken a board and run it on the joiner and then taken another pass and taken another pass and taken another pass and then looked up and it's a quarter inch thinner on one end than it is on the other. That's the situation we're trying to avoid. Take your straight edge, see where the high spot is or if there's a valley and where you need to concentrate your work first in order to get that straight line. With the hand plane uh, or the joiner, you can create a straight edge to your straight face. Now you've got two reliable edges that you mark and everything can work off of those. Arguably, that's all you need. You don't need a planer. You don't need a table saw to straighten things out. If you've got a man saw, you can resaw to thickness carefully and rip to width carefully. And as long as you use that flat face that is square to your flat edge, you're golden. You just have to remember you can only use those, those faces to reference off of. So we've got our millwork, and it's nice and straight. Are you leaving it on your straight bench? No, you shouldn't. You know you need stickers, and they should be, yes, straight. I made mine years ago. I still have them. Out of alder, straight-grained alder. That is, the grain was running parallel with the faces of these pieces of wood. And I ripped them to 13 sixteenths square. And I think they're 16 inches long. And I used them to sticker my stock on the bench so that there's air circulation all the way around it. A former mastery student of mine contacted me recently, and he had he was working on a big, thick slab top uh, for a dining table, I think it was, and uh, inch and three-quarters thick. He had been stickering it all along as he worked on it, but then laid it on his bench top for a couple of days and applied finish. It badly cupped on him. What can we agree on? Wood moves. <laughs> and it usually moves when you don't want it to. So he tried some methods that I suggested, and we got it a little bit flatter without having to lose a lot of material. That's the thing. You take a look at a board that you get from the lumberyard, and it's, say, it's surface two sides. It's S2S stock. Well, is it S2S, and does that mean flat? Absolutely not. No, it's been sitting in the lumberyard. It's been soaking up moisture like a sponge. It's 9%, 8.9% moisture content on the inside maybe a little bit less, 6 to 8%, and it's 10 to 11% on the outside. You cut it open, and it immediately moves on you. It's no longer straight. Sorry, baby. It is no longer straight. And 99 times out of 100 in the Pacific Northwest, when you rip something or resaw something, 
it closes up on the cut. The outside is wetter than the inside because the outside shell of the board has been soaking up moisture and the inside's nice and dry. So you resaw your piece and you go, oh, I cut it. I needed quarter inch and I cut just over quarter inch. Well, by the time you flatten it out to make it, you guessed it, straight, you've lost your thickness. When you're at the lumber yard, you need to look. Cupping is, is very common, but you want to make sure it's not overly cupped. Is the board straight along its length? Is it straight along its edge or does it have a crook in it? These are all things, three different types of straight, straight across the width of the board, straight along an edge, and straight along its length. Now we have our wood milled up and it's nice and straight and it's stickered on the bench and everything's staying good and straight. You're fine. You walk out the door for a couple of days and it should be fine. Problems that we have with movement in our pieces is when there's a moisture imbalance. So you leave a pile of wood on your bench top and that board on top ends up cupping usually. Which is why at, at big production shops, you don't see stickers. What you see is a pile of wood on a cart and on the very top of the pile is a piece of plywood to cover it up. So all the pieces are basically just exposed to the air on their, on their end grain. And they're not going to be moving around. So we have our wood. We have it stickered. Now it's time to start our joinery. So we're going to put our joints straight into these edges. We're going to mortise straight in. Is your square straight? <laughs> well, there's a simple trick for that. You know this. And this is why you can't ever buy a square encased in plastic. Because you need to check it before you buy it. If it's a combination square, make it as almost as long as you possibly can. Put it up against a nice straight edge of a board. So you're buying a six-inch square, get an eight-inch wide board, seven-inch wide board. Put your square up there and draw a line, and then flip the square over to the other side of the line and check it. If that line has been made square to the edge, and the square is straight and square, then you'll get the same reading on both sides of the line. But if it's off of 90, it's not going to do you any good. It's not, it's not square. So you have your square. You're going to line up your joints and cut your mortises straight in. Maybe angling a little bit at the end grain to allow for the tenons to enter more easily. And then you cut your tenons. They too have to be straight. You can check that with your straight edge. See how parallel the face of the tenon is to the face of the board so that when you're putting things together, things stay untwisted. Things stay straight. And then let's say you're building a table. What I like to do with the table is glue it up in parts. A lot of people just put themselves through so much torture when it comes to gluing up. And they've got all these parts and they want to glue everything all at once. Let's get a band clamp and it's too much to do. <laughs> it's too stressful. Gluing is way too stressful. I'm going to be straight with you. It's way too stressful. So I just simplify it as much as possible for my small brain. I take two legs and a rail. So we're building a leg and apron table, four legs, four rails. I take the short rails and two legs, one short rail, two legs, and glue it up. Now, what I'm paying attention to is that that short rail edge ends up a little bit taller than the top of my leg. And the reason for that is my two legs are the exact same length. If I leave that edge a little bit tall, then I can set it in my vise, take my hand plane, and straighten it. Straighten it down to the tops of those two legs. So simple. If, on the other hand, you drop that edge down so it's below the top of the leg and then you 
trim the top of that leg off. Now you've got one leg that's shorter than the others. Your table won't sit flat on the floor anymore. Won't sit straight. So I glue two legs to one rail, and I glue the other two legs to another rail. Let them sit for a little while, and then clean out that top edge. Then I can glue the final two rails to the leg assemblies and glue it all up. Again, trying to leave those long grain edges a little bit proud of the of the leg tops. But I can take a, a nice long hand plane and straighten those edges out and feel fairly certain that I'm going to get a nice straight board. All right, now I'm going to make my tabletop. I've got to flatten the boards, make sure they're straight, flatten the boards so I can do my edge joining because I'm going to have to glue up, say, three or four boards to get my tabletop. There are, there are several ways of doing an edge joint, and I'm just going to talk about this briefly. But if you're doing it with a hand plane and you can shoot your edges, you can simply, with a long enough hand plane, hand plane the edge. And if it feels really sticky, I mean, if you've done a really careful job of, of straightening those two edges out, all you need to do is put glue on it, set one board on top of the other, rub the joints back and forth, the two edges back and forth. That's it. Walk away. No clamps necessary. It's called a rub joint. High glue works better for it than tight bond, but tight bond will also work. Your two edges need to be perfectly straight, perfectly flat. And if they are, they'll feel so sticky, it feels like dark matter is holding them together, even before you put the glue on. But once you put that glue on, well, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> no, he's my brother, really, but it works. It works great. But you've got, you know, a coffee table. These pieces are three foot long. It's hard to get that right. So we're going to um, use a joiner or a long hand plane. What I like to do for my edge joints is not try to make them straight, but to try to put a slight concavity along the edge called a spring joint in. And this spring joint ends up putting good pressure at the ends of the boards, which is very nice because when I push the middle together with my clamping pressure and glue everything up, I'm going to have a little spring back there at the ends. And I think it's a marvelous way of, of guaranteeing that your edge laminations are going to hold up over time. I had one, oh, this is early on in my, my work, and I glued up a tabletop, and the edges were not quite flat, but I could pull those ends in. So there's a little bit of a high spot. Um, along the edges. But I could pull the ends in, you know, with clamping pressure and glue. Wood is very flexible. It's amazing. Problem was that glue joint gave up after a few months. Not good. So that's when I started using spring joints. I do them now most of the time on the joiner. Sometimes I do them with a, uh, with a hand plane if I'm taking a very small amount. Please note, when you start to use your hand planes uh, to a greater extent, the first thing you need to do is make sure it's sharp and then it's tuned up. You can't just grab it every time and hope that it's that it's right, particularly in a shop where you're sharing tools. So that's why I use two bench planes at my bench. One that I know is always ready for anything and one that's tuned up and just for special special cuts. But I can make my spring joint on the joiner or I make my spring joint on the uh, on the bench with, with my hand planes. All right, my tabletop is glued up. Now I got to flatten it to make it straight. So I take my scraper and uh, straighten the edge of it. This is getting <laughs> redundancy, redundancy. On my file, which is also flat and straight, and I flatten that edge of my scraper 
on my file and then stone that edge again with the stone in the vise, just like the file was in the vise. And uh, now I've got a, a decent edge on my scraper that's nice and straight, nice and flat. And I can turn an edge on that if I want to scrape off the glue. Please check out our uh, channel on YouTube, Northwest Woodworking. Check out the video on sharpening the scraper. It is the best method out there. That's it. Simple. I'm being straight with you. It's as simple as that. It's a great method. So I take my scraper. I'm getting rid of the glue. And now I'm going to straighten. I'm going to flatten that top. It's sitting on my bench, which I believe is, is flat. And I'm going to take as long a hand plane as my arms can, can manage and start working cross grain, 45 degree angle across the tabletop. You, of course, have aligned your boards for grain direction, have you not? They're not, you're not fighting each other. You know, so one board has got the grain running in one direction. One has got it in the exact opposite. No, you, you're smart enough. You, you got that. You've done that right from the start. So now it's your job to flatten that tabletop. And that's, that's done with the hand plane. You can get that done fairly quickly. You've got a straight edge close by. So you can check your work, mark the high spots, do a little bit more work, check it again with your straight edge, mark the high spots. For a tabletop, it doesn't have to be perfectly flat, depending on the, if there's anything else going on top of it. If it's a desk, you may have drawers or cubby holes going on top or a gallery going on top of it. Uh, there are different things that can occur to a top. So the straightness has to be sometimes very, very true, both across the width of the board and across the length of it. So it depends on the situation. Well, there you have it. We have milled up our lumber straight and flat, and we have cut our joints in straight, and glued up our table legs, straightened the edges, and made our tabletop and flattened it nice and flat and straight. In conclusion, I think it's fairly apparent how important the idea of straight is for us uh, furniture makers. Something to pay attention to, something to remind yourself of, something to check not just by eye, but with a straight edge. See that things are, are working the way they're supposed to. It makes life so much simpler when we have things that are straight and true. This is the straight poop, I'm telling you. All right, thanks very much for listening. I appreciate you spending the time. Please check out our website. Please check out our YouTube channel, Northwest Woodworking Studio. There's videos up there on a variety of topics. And if you'd like to support us on coffee, that would be great. I can use all the coffee I can get these days. There's a link on our site to get there. Thanks for your support. Take care of yourselves out there. Be safe. Be healthy. See you down the road. Bye-bye.